Have you ever had an experience where you are in a conversation with somebody and they say something that doesn't match what you expected they were going to say or doesn't match their past performance or their past behavior? And it's like you have this little monkey on your shoulder that's kind of chirping in your ear saying, huh? something's off there. Something's not right there. Something is incongruous here. That's what I want to talk about today. Hi, I'm D. Hicks and welcome to the School of Leadership leveraged lessons from high-impact leaders. For the past 30 years, I've researched the disciplines, habits, mental models, and assumptions of the most effective leaders. This podcast takes what I've learned from over 2,000 of these influencers and distills it into practical tools and tips you can use immediately. So let's get started. The smell of this cigar, even as I like just toast the foot, the smoke true to form. Oh, it's wonderful. Wow, I wish you were here. I'm having an acid Cuba Maduro cigar. You shouldn't be at all surprised. I'm such a fan of Drew Estate cigar. This is a beautiful cigar. Very dark Maduro wrapper. It's about 52, maybe 54. Yeah, probably a 54 ring cigar. So it's a little bit on the fatter side, five inches long. So it feels just exactly right. These are so good. Sometimes I smoke them too quickly, but I won't this time. I'm going to enjoy this even after I get finished visiting with you in this podcast. Thank you very much for taking some of your life and spending it with me. You're probably multitasking. You know, you really can't multitask task. You know that? You can only do one thing at a time. If you're thinking about one thing, you're not thinking about another. So right now you're walking or you're driving or you're or you're flipping through some emails or who knows what you're doing. It's probably not that you're sitting and only thinking about what I'm going to share with you today. You're probably doing two things at once, flipping back and forth between them. <laughs> That's okay. Podcasts are cool. You can rewind. It's like if you get to a place where I say something, you what do you say? You can rewind it. <laughs> Rewind? Who says that? You can replay it. It's not like a tape. It's not like some cassette tape or some good old-fashioned Chet Atkins 8-track tape that you're playing in your 1974 Chevrolet Monte Carlo. <laughs> oh, there's a story behind that. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. I was a, a junior in high school in 1974. My parents got a brand new Monte Carlo. Brand new. It might have been the only brand new car they ever bought. Wow, was it cool. I remember hopping in the back and sitting on the passenger side and looking out that kind of narrow window that was in the back of that car and thinking this was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen. And then parents popped in an eight-track tape. Wow. <laughs> the big old cartridge. Remember those? Some of you're thinking, I don't know what an eight-track tape is because you're too young or you're so old you've forgotten what they are. But they popped that in and the, and the tape player grabbed it and pulled it in mechanically and dropped it down and then started playing Chet Atkins music. I'd never heard him before. <laughs> thought, this is kind of cool. I grew up on country music, good old country music. Oh, it was so enjoyable. And we just drove around. It was in the wintertime and there was a little bit of snow. We had a great time. Oh, 
It was so, so, so good. How did I get off on that? How did I get off on a Monte Carlo? Wow. But, all right, acid Maduro cigar. The Cuba, Cuba, Cuba. It's a, it's a very good cigar. And this one is the Maduro, like I said. Beautiful, well-crafted cigar. It smells so good. Mm, mm, mm. And tastes wonderful. Mm, mm, mm. So, the Drew Estates line called Acid Cigars are... Uh, so good and there's a little bit known about them you know but uh, they really keep their blends and how they make their cigars pretty secret only a few few folks you know the company's blenders and maybe the, the the folks who roll these by hand can actually enter into the factory where these premium cigars are created there's a whole bunch of herbs and spices that line those blending room walls and that's kind of part of the allure of this very very popular brand of Drew Estate cigars and I think maybe this Cuba is pro is their most popular of all the offerings the Maduro um, takes kind of the the dark uh, estate grown Nicaraguan Cuban seed which you know that's the seed they took out of Cuba during the Cuban revolution and thought we're not sticking around for this because we know where communism goes amazing how people have forgotten where socialism and communism actually ends up look around ah ah anyway so okay i'm back they so they escaped from cuba they took the seed they went to they went to nicaragua with their cuban seed and set up their plantations now this great stuff is being grown there this cigar has got connecticut broadleaf maduro wrapper you can imagine like hershey's chocolate it's that dark on the outside and it has a little bit of a shine to it uh, like it's got some oil that's coming out of it this really exceptional blend in this cigar is one of my all-time favorites so if you've not had one of these grab them they're a little on the pricey side unless you get them on cigarbid.com or something like that they're called a medium bodied cigar but i don't know that they're all that medium they're just so rich and different of course the first taste on this cigar is something pretty sweet and then it goes within you know a few seconds into kind of a dark chocolate taste and a little bit of a, a little bit of cedar a little bit of cherry a little bit of as it goes on it kind of gets creamy i think that's partly in the smoke uh, itself it gets really nice and creamy sorry about that you heard my phone in the background i probably will not even have that edited out i'm gonna grab the phone and turn off the ringer okay there we go mm -mm -mm. whoever sent me that text is gonna have to wait a little while till i'm finished chatting with you this is such a really good cigar it's it's surprising it's uh it's interesting though if you've never had one you look at this cigar you would think oh wow that is gonna be a mouthful that's gonna be really as i relight this and kind of Get the, straighten up the burn because once you get them lit and they're straight they'll burn perfectly all the way through they're great but it'd be a little bit of a incongruous experience for you because these cigars look like they're going to be really strong and they're not they're quite good oh, they're so they're just quite good mm. how about if i share with you what we're going to be drinking with this wonderful cuba cuba maduro mm -mm. okay and here it is. It's a brand new bottle. Ah, oh, yeah. Mm. It is a brand new bottle. I just opened it for you. If you were here, of course, I'd pour you some. Monkey Shoulder. I'm pouring some Monkey Shoulder. Oh, yes. It's got one very small ice cube in it. And let's see how this works. Monkey Shoulder, the original. This is the Batch 27 stuff. This is uh, different than the uh, Monkey Shoulder that's not a Batch 27. It's a blended Scotch 
whiskey. Oh, it's got a great smell to it. Now, Monkey Shoulder is a blended malt created by, um, I think it's created by the W.M. Grant Company. Those are the folks who are the, the holding company that's behind Glenfiddich and others like even Hendrix, for example. I think they're behind Hendrix. Oh, that's intense. That first hit, wow, that is really, really good. It's only 86, but it sure feels like it's more than an 86 proof. Yeah, that's quite good. That's quite good. Monkey Shoulder. <laughs> Interesting. I think the name came from an injury that distillery workers developed after working on the distillery floor. I think they would be shoveling the grain on the malting floor, kind of turning it over and shoveling it and shoveling it. And then they would get this, this repetitive strain injury in their shoulder and they called it monkey shoulder. <laughs> uh, it's got a really interesting bottle. It's got a little metallic three different monkeys, one on top of the other, on top of the other on the outside of the bottle. And, and it's sunken into the glass on the bottle. It's very cool. Monkey shoulder has been around since the early 2000s it's it's quite good wow after that first little shot of the burn of the alcohol that goes away it's quite sweet goes well with the maduro cigar so it's it's sweet but not sugary it's not thick kind of sweet it's not like drinking maple syrup or a dr pepper or something like that it's got a little bit of a sweetness like an american whiskey would mm, um, oh that is just surprisingly good it's just so good mm. Mm. yep that little half shot i poured is gonna last me a while it's got a nice finish to it after i after I inhale too. It's a combination, if I remember correctly, let me take some license here because I, my memory might not serve correctly. I think it is actually a blend of Glenfiddich and Balvany and Canenvy single malts. Maybe they might throw in some other distilleries as well, but I think it's at least those three. And then I think it is matured in first fill, what are called first fill, never been used American oak casks, which give it kind of a sweetness. I don't know the age statement. I don't know how long it actually uh, sits in there. So it's really good. It's got a wonderful, clean, almost a floral smell to it. Yeah, it smells a little bit, a little bit floral, almost a little bit like apple. And I think I'm picking up, I think I'm picking up a little honey in there too, but who knows? Who knows? Oh, oh afterwards, after I put it down, <laughs> that's weird. That is very weird. I'm going to do it again. See if I get that same smell. Stay with me or go get a bottle of monkey shoulder, hit pause, go buy a bottle of monkey shoulder, open it, air it a little bit, drink it, take your second drink and tell me if you smell and taste this. Here's my next drink. Oh my goodness. If you ever sharpen a pencil, the smell of the freshly sharpened pencil. <laughs> Someone's going to think I'm crazy here, but I got, I got all that stuff. I got the vanilla. I got, I got a little bit, a little bit of pencil in there. <laughs> Why do you, what is wrong with you? You're drinking, you're drinking pencil shavings. <laughs> well, it actually tastes really good. Anyway, the finish is kind of short and doesn't last really long. It doesn't burn and stay with you at all. It's short. And, yep. Good stuff. A monkey shoulder. I'm surprised. It's, it's a little incongruous to me. It's uh it's not what I expected. I thought, I thought it'd be one thing and it's actually another and the longer i sit here and talk with you with it's it's a surprise it's not what i expected it's a bit incongruous it's good it's not it's not bad it's very very good it's just really different than what i had expected and so i picked monkey shoulder because have you ever had an experience where you are in a conversation with somebody and they say something that doesn't match what you expected they were going to say or doesn't match their past performance or their past behavior. And it's like you have this little monkey on your shoulder. <laughs> See how I did that? <laughs> That's kind of chirping in your ear saying, ah, 
eh, something's off there. Something's not right there. Something is incongruous here. That's what I want to talk about today. What do you do when someone says yes, but does no? Hmm. Mixed messages and missed opportunities. What happens when you and I experience incongruity? It's like we're driving through life and someone in front of us turns on their left turn signal and you get ready and then they turn right. <laughs> they hit their brakes, their brake lights come on and they accelerate. <laughs> what is up with that? What is up when someone says, you bet, I'll do that. And then they don't. And you relied on them to do that. What are you supposed to do with that incongruity? Because, you know, you got that monkey on your shoulder that is going to chirp something in your ear that says, oh, that ain't right. Something's wrong there and going to start explaining to you. And I'm not sure if monkeys have that as their accent, but let's go with it. Why that's happening. It's as though someone shakes their head from side to side, which if you turned the sound down in the moment, it would be a negative thing. Nope, 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 nope. But then the words coming out, out of their face are yes sure and you look at that and frown and you can feel it and that monkey chirps in your head oh incongruity what if someone says and you've probably experienced this before oh you bet i care i'm on board i'm with you i'm there but then there's no follow-through it's as though they're the monkey on your shoulder is saying oh they just said that in order to get you off their back sarcasm is a little bit of a form of this incongruity and by the way i love that form of humor i try to be careful to only use it with people who i have a great respect for and i think that their humor is good and their intellect is such that they really understand the thrust of the sarcasm but poorly used sarcasm and by the way i've been known to use it poorly from time to time <laughs> no sarcasm there poorly used sarcasm can actually create that incongruity that monkey on my shoulder that says something's wrong something's wrong something's wrong maybe you are in a situation where folks are silent when you would have expected them to speak up especially like during times of change there's a mixed message and if we don't manage that mixed message moment well we're going to have missed opportunities and we're going to start listening to that monkey on our shoulder well let's walk through what's up with this well first of all our brain is designed in such a way that we actually hate incongruity if there's incongruity if there's a left hand turn signal and a right hand turn our brain will notice that incongruity and quickly fill it in with an explanation as to why that incongruity occurred you know what you would do oh that's somebody who lives and drives in Ballard, which is a suburb just to the north of Seattle. <laughs> and if you're from the Pacific Northwest, you know that people who drive and live in Ballard have a really bad reputation for driving. <laughs> they have the eventual left-hand turn signal on all the time. It's as though they back out of their driveway in the morning and they put their left-hand turn signal on and they just leave it on all day long because they know that eventually they'll turn left no matter what they're doing right now. <laughs> oh, that incongruity. If that happens, you'll zap, there's a Ballard driver. Or if someone cuts you off in traffic and it's incongruous, well, why would they do that? Well, our brain will quickly try to fill in the gaps because we do not like neurologically the sensation of incongruity and so our brain will try to build a bridge between when someone shakes their head saying no but then they say yes or they promise they're going to do something but they 
don't. Our brain will fill in the gap. We'll fill in the gap using probably fairly flawed mental models. So that's the first idea. We hate incongruity neurologically and then psychologically, and we will fill in the gaps between what someone is communicating with this part of their message and behaving with that part of the message. When we get a mixed message, we will quickly try to fill in the gaps, and it's usually not with something positive. Here's the next idea. When the incongruity is between positive and negative, that is a positive statement and negative behavior, for example, we will almost always lean toward believing the negative because even positive and optimistic and happy-go-lucky people will tend to lean slightly toward a negative explanation as to why that incongruity existed. A sharp turn of some sort will tend to create incongruity. Here's the next idea. When there is a gap, we often think, oh, that's just me. And so we don't do anything about that gap. We think, oh, you know, I'm just being too suspicious, or I'm just being too negative, or I'm just being too critical, or something like that. And so, because we're kind of hard on ourselves for noticing the gap, we cut people all kinds of slack incorrectly, and we don't do anything about it. We don't lean into that incongruity or that gap. How's it created? How is in the workplace, especially because you're a leader or a manager or a supervisor, you're somebody who's responsible for influencing other people so they'll do things that they didn't even know they could do, right? You're responsible for that. So, so how does that create it in the workplace? Well, it's often created by poor communication. We just give people part of the message. And so then they experience some kind of incongruity that the message, the communication we're giving them right now doesn't fit the communication we gave them last week or last month or last year. And because folks have vivid imaginations <laughs> and because sometimes that gap, that incongruity can create a threat, then the incongruity will start to run away with people. It's as a result of poor communication. Sometimes the incongruity is in the workplace created because we don't present our ideas very clearly. We think that because we've lived with the idea so long, just a headline is enough, right? But they haven't lived with it that long. So we present ideas unclearly. Another reason why incongruity exists, probably the the most common reason that I've seen in the workplace and that I've experienced in our own enterprises is that there's time that passes between the first part of the message and the second part of the message. Between the mixed message, there's weeks or months that can be passed, So, and the person is not up to speed, and so they don't know that back in December this was true, but now in March it's no longer true because they didn't get to experience all the change. The passage of time is one of the main contributors to incongruity in the workplace. Also, sometimes there's just flat-out new information. Even though we all talked about this and decided it on Tuesday morning, by the time Tuesday at lunch came around, there's some new information came in, and we never went back and closed the loop. So now when the person encounters this decision, idea, action, behavior, a day later, they experience incongruity. They weren't brought up to speed. In a hiring setting, it's important to pay close attention to whenever there is incongruity. If somebody says, I've had all of these experiences, but they cannot come up with details around those experiences, or there are not names of people who had those experiences with them, then there's probably incongruity there. I have a friend who, who said to me, in a hiring environment, there is no such thing as incongruity. If you experience incongruity, you got to lean in and close the gap because something is missing. That's worth paying attention to. Also, we've learned that incongruity, when it lives for very long in the workplace around something, creates a 
a lack of engagement. People don't know what to do with that gap between the yes and the no, the saying yes and the doing no. They don't know what to do with that incongruity. So they pop into neutral. It causes a lack of engagement on their part. It also causes a lack of alignment where people are going to hear one thing where one group will hear A and the other group will hear B and they head off in their directions. Because there's incongruity in the messaging, then folks are going to have a lack of alignment. And incongruity at work can also make some people just go quiet. You you all say you value entry-level employees in the workplace, but you sure don't treat us like, like we're valued. And instead of trying to fight the fight, they just go silent and they make a plan. And the plan is to do barely what's required of them while they're looking for another job. Incongruity is fairly common in complex human enterprises. What do you do with this incongruity when someone has a left turn signal on and turns right? When someone says yes and does no, when someone says, I care, I care so much, I'm really, really engaged, and then they're not behaviorally following up with that. What do you do? All right, well, let's do these five things. We'll go through them quickly. Number one, name it. It's a gap. It's incongruity. Don't ignore it. Openly describe it. Openly talk about it. You said this, you did that. There's some incongruity here. Do not ignore it. Number two, say it out loud. But when you do name it and when you do say it out loud, keep your comments behavioral. We don't want to say things like, you are an inconsistent, horrible human being, right? You're a jerk. That's the best way to explain the incongruity. We don't want to do that. We want to keep it behavioral. You said this and then you did this and stay curious while you are saying it. Say, help me understand. I don't understand. And then when the incongruity is closed, when the gap between what's said and what's done is closed, don't just leave it and assume that those gaps are never going to occur again. They are. So before the conversation is over, agree on what you're going to do next time. Incongruity occurs. A gap occurs. Next time, hey, if this happens again, can I just say something on the spot? Can I ask you on the spot? Does that work for you? Or whatever your agreement is. Make sure you agree on a rule or an approach for the next time that this actually happens because it is going to happen again, all right? The third idea is become obnoxiously clear about your expectations. You remember how to do that. My expectation is this, so that this, and this so that is a result you're trying to achieve. And then ask the question, especially when the expectation is presented the first time, is this a realistic expectation and what am I missing? It's a pretty straightforward way of clarifying your expectations. My expectations are A, so that B is that realistic. Here's the fourth way to make sure that you are continually closing these gaps that show up. That can cause all kinds of problems if we just fill in the gap ourselves. The fourth way is if somebody is always incongruous, if they are habitually and consistently saying yes and doing no, nodding up and down, saying I love this, but then they're not following through. And they come up with excuse after excuse for why that is. If they are a person who is always like that, then they're not dependable. You can't trust them and trust in the sense that you can't rely on them. Don't rely on people who constantly create incongruity. Because remember, you're in control of whom you trust, whom you rely on. You're in control of what your perspective is, and you're in control of your behavior. If you've got somebody in your life who's constantly creating these gaps, and you're tipping your head sideways, and you got that monkey on your shoulder saying, what's wrong? You need to step back from that person, all right? And here's the fifth idea. By virtue of your leadership, you're going to create incongruity. So own it. Say it out 
out loud, you know, I realize we're saying this is important, but we haven't changed that system yet. We're saying this matters over here and this is our plan, but we haven't implemented it yet. I said this mattered a lot and now we're a week later and I've changed my mind and here's why. Own the incongruity. Don't just pretend that it doesn't actually exist and stay in close touch with people during times where incongruity is higher. For example, when it's a new complex change, never done it before, it's an adventure in a way, then there's going to be lots of incongruity. So point it out. There are going to be gaps between what we say and what we plan and what we do. That's part of it. But let's talk about those gaps and let's close them as quickly as possible. All right. That's what we do. Otherwise, we're going to have a monkey on our shoulder all the time. Time. And that monkey on our shoulder is going to be saying things like, well, that guy is just a jerk. That lady over there, she doesn't care at all. She's only out for herself. Or she's lazy. Or or he's somebody, he's, he's probably just somebody who's out for himself. That's what the monkey is going to be saying. Of course, there's going to be incongruity. Lean into the incongruity. Talk about it. Close the gap. Talk with the person. Don't listen to that monkey on your shoulder. Pay attention. There's lots of incongruity. You've had it already today. And that monkey on your shoulder has already stepped in to come up with an explanation as to why that person had their left turn signal on and turned right. They're just an idiot, aren't they? Right? Uh, That's the voice of the monkey on your shoulder. Well, anyway, I hope that was worthwhile to you. There's nothing incongruous about this incredibly good scotch whiskey called monkey shoulder one more sip one more sip got a little bit left it's very consistent and very very good i'm gonna kick back on this tuesday evening Mm-mm. the sun is shining i think i'm gonna go outside walk around a little bit in the sunshine relight this there we go relight this cuba maduro cigar thoroughly enjoy one of the products of the drew estates cigar company and enjoy the day and i'm gonna look for bad drivers and try to explain how on earth did they make it this far in life (laughs) oh maybe not maybe i'll be nicer than that hope you're having a great day you're doing good work keep it up talk to you soon And I'm sure you've heard about it by now, but you may want to check out our YouTube channel that has this kind of information, lots of helpful tips for folks who are in leadership, management, supervisory positions, or if you're an influencer of people daring folks to do great things. Check us out on YouTube. It's the HILT, H-I-L-T, Academy, High Impact Leadership Training Academy on YouTube. Some great stuff. Join us over there. Subscribe when you get there.